welcome to the Learning for Good podcast. Nonprofit learning leaders want to develop the skills their people need to scale their mission and create greater impact. If that's you, you're in the right place. This show guides you through learning and development best practices, top trends, and aha moments so you can deliver the very best staff development opportunities, even in a virtual world. It's Learning for Good with your host, Heather Burright. Have you ever wanted an inside look at another nonprofit? What are they doing that works? What challenges do they face? What's their strategy? Well, today, we're going to do time on the inside with UNICEF USA. So I worked with UNICEF USA in early 2022 to create a custom competency model with them. And now I've asked them to join me and share their honest opinion after six months with the model. Let's dive in. It's learning for good. All right. I am so excited. I have Christy Burnham, Vice President for Professional Learning and Leadership Development from UNICEF USA here with me today. And I can't wait to dive in and talk about their custom competency model. Welcome, Christy. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I know so many people are going to want to hear um, about your process and your journey uh, to create this custom competency model and how it's going. It's always good to have that inside look at what other nonprofits are doing. Um, but before we dive in, I love to start with a question just to give us a little bit of background about you. So could you tell us a little bit about your career journey and what you're doing? Sure. Well, I graduated a long time ago from the University of Georgia with a degree in advertising and um, soon after realized that I wanted to spend my time and energy uh, in uh, places for good. So I've been in nonprofit my whole career and um, mostly in grassroots mobilization, volunteers, um, things like that. And I came to UNICEF USA in 1999, about 23 years ago in those roles, grassroots mobilization, um, volunteer management, created volunteer programs and all kinds of club models for high school kids, all kinds of things, and uh, eventually created a fellowship program that uh, invested in young people to uh, mobilize their communities, and in return, uh, we invested in their professional development. And that led me to the learning uh, uh, role I have now at UNICEF USA. Now I've had for about almost six years uh, uh, at UNICEF USA in learning and development, and, and so now I'm inwardly focused, focused on professional learning and leadership development for UNICEF USA and their uh, staff and, and help them be better at their jobs. And so it, it turns out that that's my life's work, my life's passion. I, I love it so much and I'm so happy to have this role at UNICEF USA. And, and because we have a huge culture of learning, it's very, very easy uh, and, and fun to do my job and, and do all the, the aspects of it. That's great. I feel like so many people that I meet have sort of fallen into the learning and development space and fallen in love with it in the process. Um, so it's good to hear the different journeys that people take and how they get to where they are, um, because you really bring so much experience, different experience and expertise based on all those different areas that you worked in. So thinking through how you mobilize volunteers, that can still influence how you look at learning um, and how Absolutely. you um, want that staff culture to feel and things like that. So I love to hear how people ended up in the field and what they're focused on 
now. So I know that um, creating a custom competency model was something that you were focused on earlier this year. And so I just want to run through a few questions with you to better understand what that process was like and what you're doing now. I just kind of want to hear your honest opinion after um, sure. having this model in place um, for several months. So what prompted you um, in the first place, right? What prompted you to create a custom competency model? Was there something that was driving that particular project or a need that you all had? Well, yes and yes. Um, so we, uh, when, when we all went remote in, in the pandemic, we, we shifted to how we support our staff and our learning and, and as particularly our people managers and um, wanted to be sure that we were uh, helping our people managers uh, support their teams as much as possible. Um, and so we did a couple of live learning sessions uh, for managers uh, through Zoom and um, and realized at that time that, that the content we were delivering was great, but people really wanted to practice um, the things that they were learning. So we pivoted and we created peer learning circles for uh, for managers to, um, to to workshop their own issues with an external coach all over Zoom as well. Um, and and my, our leadership here at UNICEF USA was continuing to say, you know, we need to give more. We need to give more to our managers and more to our staff. And um, so I created this comprehensive learning strategy that included uh, lots of different elements, both for individual contributors and for people managers. And it includes includes our use of the Clifton Strengths model. It includes coaching, um, external coaching, it, it includes all various aspects, but it really, it was, there were also specific elements for our people managers. And that's when we realized, how can we help, how can we expect people to behave the way we want them to, if we don't outline for them what those behaviors are. And so we, that's the need for creating the competency model, the customized competency model that reflects our community and the vision that we want to see and our values. That's great. And I love that um, kind of this new hybrid remote and now hybrid model um, is part of what drove that process. And then um, as you got deeper with um, certain steps, right, you were starting to realize that maybe that foundational step needs to be there as well. And also peer learning circles, we just need to bookmark that because I feel like that is a set of an episode all on its own. And okay. I'm sure so many organizations would love to hear what you're doing with peer learning circles. Great. how they work, who gets to attend, what the topics are like, all of that. I think people would love to hear more about that. It's such a great concept to allow managers to learn from each other and then to have that coach um, in there as well. But competency model today. So let, let's try to, I'm going to try to keep myself focused instead of getting excited. Um, so what I know you, you created this model earlier this year. What was that process like for you? Well, you know, I, I mean, it, it's kind of an unbelievable story in that, Heather, you reached out to me on LinkedIn, uh, cold called, and right at the time that we were talking about building this competency model, and usually I disregard some of those messages, and um, you, your message to me was like, this is what I do, this is one of the things I can do, I work with nonprofits to be greater, and I have one, uh, one other person on my team, and I reached out to her and said, oh my gosh, I can't believe this, is this serendipitous, or am I going to, and so you and I met, and um, and that is how I found you and, and what a good fortune it was for me because you had the expertise and the, um, 
uh, experience of, of developing this before, where it is not something that I had done before. I have done a lot of things, but I had not developed a competency model. So when you and I started working together, after having met a couple of times, um, you drove that process, which I was so appreciative for. You created the timeline, you created the accountability and the responsibility, and you also involved a lot of people in that process. You, you, we had focus groups, we had discussions with our leadership. You did a lot of external research, which was, you know, what is best in class for the industry. And all of that was, you kept us driving forward. And, and I just, it was, it was a very quick process, much quicker than I think you anticipated or I anticipated, but we were able to really gather all that information and create really bold and um, inclusive behaviors in our competency model that even I was a little bit like, oh, are we sure we want to go that far? But we did, and we got sign off on it, and um, I'm really, really happy with that model. So the process was great and smooth, and mostly because of you. Oh, well, thank you. I <laughs> it was not a, a plug or a setup to, <laughs> I know. to hear about um, about me in the process, but I, I love that we were able to engage so many people within your organization um, doing those focus groups and the interviews and being able to talk to people and better understand what their experiences were like and what their needs were um, or what expectations were of staff so that we could create something together that really works for your organization. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Now I'm going to ask a couple of questions about, um, implementation, but before I do just to, and this is not, I didn't warn you about this question, Christy, but, um, just to <laughs> give everyone a sense of your model, could you give an example of a competency or a behavior, whatever you're comfortable with that, um, stands out to you and you don't, it doesn't have to be exact, but is there a competency that you're really excited about or something that just to kind of give people a sense of what's in your model? Yeah. One of the best things that you did for us, you suggested, was to create a one-pager because the competency model is enormous. Um, it all supports our strategic plan, um, but there are three, what we call three major categories, and then there are, uh, under each of the categories, there are three uh, competencies. So, for example, one of our categories is deep human connection, and we have three uh, competencies under that, communication and active listening, uh, emotional intelligence and inclusive mindset. And then under each of those, there are several, many behaviors by level, by level of the role responsibility. So from coordinator all the way to senior vice president or chief, we have behaviors that we expect to see in each one of those. And those, you know, when you add them all up, that that's uh, quite a bit of, of behaviors that we wanna see. The one pager helps us describe what we're really trying to do. Deep human connection was a really bold statement for us uh, in, in the way that I didn't know if that would um, resonate with folks, but it absolutely does. And, um, and then when you get down into emotional intelligence and inclusive mindset and the behaviors show up about being an anti-racist organization or you know dismantling racism at our organization and or with the rest of the world, those were very bold statements that um, that I wasn't sure we were going to get approved on, and yet we did because that's the organization that we want to be. So it was, it was really, first of all, thank you for the model of the overview and then taking it deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and we wound up with, with, with true, like valuable, meaningful behaviors that people can wrap their heads around and model for each other on an ongoing basis. Did that answer your question? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it gives people a sense of what's included in your model. And I love that those were approved. And I think one of the reasons is because we were able to hear from people. Um, we were looking at your strategic plan. We were looking at your organization's values. We were listening to people and what they wanted. And then by the time it gets to an approval process, we've had some of that input. We've have done some of that research. And so thankfully, that was something that resonated with people. Um, the, I was going to say one other thing and lost it. So it's hopefully it's going to come back to me because there was something else that you said that stood out. Um, I'm going to get it eventually. But while I'm thinking on that, um, I would love to hear now that this model is created, it's been approved. I know that is a process in and of itself. How are you starting to introduce this model to your staff? Yeah. So our fiscal year is July through June. And uh, our, we were starting to goal set in late summer. And um, uh, in that goal setting process, we were introducing a new tool on uh, how to how, using a new platform, Culture Amp, for goal setting. And we led internal briefings on how to use that goal setting platform and then incorporated the competencies into the goal setting. So that's how we introduced it at first. We said, okay, we have a whole new set of behaviors we want you to. Um, put into your goals, and we are going to rate you on these goals come next year. Um, and then we've done a whole, uh, a, a lot of different um, relevant ties to the competency models. We had open office hours uh, for people to come in and ask questions about the competencies and how they would be measured and how they would show up. We also have linked it in now our new hire orientation and our onboarding materials. And we also have um, tied it to the values, we, we actually rewrote our, our organizational values and we had a whole town hall on our organizational values and tied the competencies which absolutely support the new and very UNICEF specific values um, uh, so that they're continuously repeated over and over and, and, and using our change management model of ADCAR just continue to reinforce why we're doing this building the desire and it's been really well received because people want to know what's expected of them and they want to know how, and managers want to know how to hold their staff accountable have we solved everything probably not yet because we're not yet rolling it out and measuring people on it yet but we've been trying really um, you know intentionally to continue to reinforce and not just put them on a shelf somewhere and bring them out at the end of the year that's great um, and you did remind me of what, what I was going to say, okay, it's also related to what you just shared. So um, one of the episodes that um, is available on competency models is um, four reasons the competencies don't work. And a couple of the reasons are that they're not tailored, which you all were able to do that, right? It's aligned yes, to your absolutely. organization. Um, and one is that they're not forward looking. And you mentioned that uh, the competencies really describe who you want to be as an organization, not just who you are. And then another one is that they're not used. And so um, as you were talking, I was able to remember what I was trying to say, because um, what you're doing is you're embedding them into yeah. your existing processes so that they will get used. Um, and so they're going to be a part of those processes that already exist, that staff are already familiar with, and it's just a change to that process in some cases. Um, and so they're going to be um, more aware of them. Um, I love that you're using the ADCAR model as you're roll <laughs> rolling this out. Um, they're going to be more aware of them and they're more likely to use them and rely on them because of that. So as you've been rolling out the competencies um, and staff have been seeing them for the first time, I know you said staff um, have been excited to kind of see those expectations in writing, but um, what other responses are you receiving from staff? 
Sure. I think the people managers are excited to see them so that they can really help their staff grow and develop in each of these areas. Um, I think the individual contributors are also excited to see them because it's very clear what is expected at each level. Um, they, that just because you possess some of the behaviors and the competencies doesn't necessarily, at a higher level, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be promoted, but it does factor in to what you want to aspire to, to be. And I think being as clear as possible about what each level is responsible for has been um, very transparent and very well received. Um, I think that there's also um, some feedback we've been receiving around exactly what you just said. We're not there yet, but this is who we want to be. And so then the next step for us is how do we get there, whether that's um, through uh, diversity, racial equity and belonging courses or live learning sessions and some of these um, some of these competencies and behaviors like active listening and emotional intelligence. And so um, for us, I think there's excitement about wanting to see that part, too. Now we know what's expected. Now let's learn it and let's let's grow in those areas. Yeah, absolutely. It can kind of be the foundation for all of the other work that um, you're doing from a professional development and learning perspective. Um, now, you mentioned a few of the ways that you're already using the model. Are there other ways that you plan to use it and implement it in the future? Yeah, what, uh, one of the things that we want to do, part of that comprehensive learning strategy I talked about is a self-assessment. And so we're going to create self-reflections or self-assessments at each title level that includes those behaviors where a staff person can assess themselves and have conversations with their peers and their supervisor on how and, and if those behaviors are showing up. And so we haven't created those yet, that's a plan, but that way, you know, more and more people will become aware that maybe they think they have something, but they don't, or maybe they don't think they have it, but they do, they are, they are behaving in those ways. So that's very exciting that we, we, um, we, we've heard a lot of good things about that and that being a little bit unique to uh, our organization. We also plan to incorporate it into our uh, performance management process. Um, and, and, and while we won't rank everyone on every behavior, we will ask how the competencies are showing up and where uh, staff can improve in specific competencies. So the more that we reference them, the more people will have to look at them and go back and, and uh, reflect on them. Uh, so those are two ways in which we plan to... Um, to use them. And then the third is, is really, we need to figure out where are we lacking and, and which live learning sessions and, and synchronous and asynchronous learnings should we offer first in order to achieve the, the mastery of those competencies and behaviors. So we have a lot of work to do, we have a lot more work to do that will take, you know, much time, but um, we, we know at least what direction we're headed in. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does allow you to be a little more strategic with the resources that you have as you're creating those live learning sessions um, and kind of prioritize where, where do you want to focus first? Because a lot of, I'm sure you have a lot of plans of ideas and things that you want to do for live learning sessions, but helping to kind of prioritize what are the real needs and how can we meet those, you know, important or urgent needs first um, can be really helpful when you're sitting in your shoes trying to figure out what the plans are for the year. <laughs> right, right, right. Great. Um, so my last question to you, um, so many organizations have competency models. A lot of them are not effective for whatever reason. Um, and some people are, you know, trying to decide if it's worth it, if the competency model is right for them, if they should update or create or buy off the shelf. Um, what would you say to someone who is unsure whether a competency model is right for them? 
Well, we had some behaviors uh, that we, we had, or, or actually we had some concepts, I should say, that we used before, but they were vague, they were unclear, there were too many per, you know, what does trust mean, what is, you know, that kind of thing. And so um, I think I would say that it's absolutely worth it if you are going to be specific and be as specific as you can by, by title or by level or whatever, by whatever works expector works for you because the more that people know what's expected of them the more you can expect that from them but how can they behave in the way that you want them to and be good people managers and be good team players and good contributors if you don't tell them what's expected so it was a it was a small a relatively small investment um, to relative to some of the other programs that we have to come up with this competency model in a very you know quick period of time with a one uh, page summary. And for us, I've actually shared it with the global community of UNICEF. Um, I work for UNICEF USA. This is, I was talking about the big global community and they are actually using it as um, kind of like a reference. They're not going to implement it in the same way because it's not applicable, but they're using it as a reference. And so once you have something great, you know, it can be shared over and over and over again. And, and then the last thing I'd say is reinforcement, 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 because if you put it on a shelf, then you know, what's, what's the point? And so that's how, you know, we, we, if, if you have the bandwidth to, um, to be clear, to be as specific as possible by level or whatever, and reinforce it, then it, it will make your life easier, better, greater, stronger. I absolutely agree. One of the things that I heard many years ago and has just stuck with me, especially in my role is the number one killer of performance is unclear expectations. Absolutely. I don't know what that's based on. I'm sure it's somewhere. Somebody did some research on it, but it has stuck with me. If you don't know what's expected of you, it's hard to perform and meet that expectation. And so having something like the competency model is a great way to be really clear about those expectations. So thank you for sharing today um, what your process was like, um, how you all are implementing, what responses you're receiving. I know this is going to be helpful for so many organizations um, that are thinking about or in the process of creating a cost, a, a, can't talk, a competency model, um, or maybe just in the process of implementing and thinking, how else can we make these relevant? How else can we reinforce that these are the competencies that we want our staff to have? So thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing um, all of your wisdom and all of your experiences with your competency model. It was my pleasure. Thank you. It was so good to hear from Christy. I'm so glad she was able to join me on this episode today to talk about competency models. Now, competency models set the foundation for so many other talent management practices, which you heard Christy share how they've been implementing and how they're planning to implement in the future. And that includes training. So if you're ready to get clear on what competencies your staff need to be successful, head on over to my website and check out how we might be able to work together. Thanks for watching. It's learning for good. Thanks for listening to the Learning for Good podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate your support. Stay connected by subscribing anywhere you listen to podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review and share the Learning for Good podcast with your community on social media.